This is Church Alive's Teaching of the Week by Pastor Gene Amoson. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. We are kicking off this new series called Family Matters, and we are excited about what's going to be going on with this series. We're going five weeks with this series. Just to kind of give you a heads up, what we're doing the next couple weeks uh, is today we're going to focus on the marriage, and then next week we're going to talk about uh, some more like parenting stuff, kind of what comes after marriage. So uh, next week's going to be fantastic. Uh, hopefully today is going to be something that you can, maybe you can leave here with something, Amen. I told our team, I said, I really feel like there's some good stuff on the paper that I, you know, came up with. I just pray that I can relate it to you or communicate it to you well today. But how many of you know at Church Live, we want to see strong families? Come on. I mean, can, can we just be honest? You don't want your family to be like, meh, you want a strong family at your house, right? That's what we want. In fact, one of our mission points here at Church Live is restoring families. Listen, there are a lot of broken families. There's a lot of families that are, that are dealing with stuff. And we want to see strong families here at Church Alive. Families are under attack. I don't know if you know that. Families, they're a divine part of God's plan. Divine part of God's plan. I mean, families are where you love each other, where you feel loved. You know, it's where your children start to understand their identity. It's actually a fundamental building block of strong societies as well. Somebody needs to hear me. Strong families are fundamental building blocks of strong societies. So it's important that we have strong families. It affects a nation. It absolutely affects a nation. History will show you that as well. And whenever you use the word family, most of us probably think of the basic, maybe a mom, a dad, some kids, right? That's kind of what we think about uh, whenever we think about family. Now, culture has started to change that, correct? Can we get real for a minute? Uh, culture has started to change that. They're, they're starting to say stuff like, you know, homosexual or heterosexual families, they're the same. Not so according to the Word of God, right? Um, they're going to tell you there's no, no difference in raising a child if there's a father involved or not. Well, I will say this, 70% of those in jail come from homes without fathers. So can we just say there's something there that's not just right? About a decade ago, the liberal members of our Supreme Court said that they redefined marriage. And, you know, that was kind of the beginning. I don't know if y'all notice of really some craziness in our country as far as the family goes. And in all honesty, as believers, we should really be grieved by this. Right, because it's it's done a lot in our country and it's not been good. The Bible says male and female he created them, and that's apparently up for debate in America. But the truth is is that as believers here at Church Alive, our opinions on the family, our opinions on marriage need to come from this book right here. It doesn't need to come from the media. It doesn't need to come from psychologists who don't even know the Lord. It needs to come from the Word of God. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. And that, that's, that's just what we've got to do. We've got to stick with the Word of God. If we say the Word is truth, then do we mean the Word is 50% truth? Or do we mean we're going with this Word, as my dad would say, hook, line, and sinker. Right. We're all in with this Word. Amen. That's where I'm at. 
That's where I'm at. I'm all in with this word. Now, as it relates to maybe your family, as it relates to maybe your marriage, I want to ask you, have you ever felt like your marriage was in a bit of a rut? Surely not. Have you ever felt like maybe you and your spouse were just roommates? Anybody ever felt that way? We've had those talks, Regina and I, before. Sometimes you just get into a place to where life is just so busy and you just feel like you're just passing each other's. I mean, just like the next few days with practices and games and some of that stuff, life groups, you know, our life's going to be pretty busy. We're not going to see each other a lot, but we've got to work. Marriage is work. Come on. Marriage is work. And so if you feel like maybe what I just mentioned, like maybe you've gotten a rut before with your marriage or maybe you've been roommates, I want to encourage you to listen up today. Because I really think that what we're going to talk about can be a game changer in some marriages. And I'll say this, it's been a game changer in our marriage, okay? It really, really has. So we're going to see what the Word of God says about married couples coming together as one today. Can we all say coming together as one? One today. Now, Genesis shows us all about God's plan for marriage in the family. After God saw that Adam needed a helpmate, he created even in Genesis 2.24... It says this, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. They shall become one flesh. We're going to go ahead and just jump into our first point today, and we're going to say this, God's plan for marriage is for a husband and a wife to become one. Can we all say one? One. To become one. Now, as it relates to the word or number one, O-N-E, there's technically two definitions that you can look at. Uh, One definition is singular or independent, such as I have one pen in my hand. And then there's a second definition, but let's stick with that first one just for a minute. Like I just read a scripture from Genesis. Genesis is one book in the Bible, correct? But the second definition would be joined together in unity to make one. So Genesis is one book, but those books come together as one Bible. Does that make sense? Players on a team can be players individually, but they come together to make up one team. And that's very similar to how marriage is. It's two people that come together as one So whenever you get married, you become one with your spouse, and you're to remain one. Why? Because you joined in a covenant. Y'all, that's a strong word, covenant. Whenever you got married, you were in a covenant. I want to go ahead and tell some young people today who are considering marriage, marriage is not the new dating. You may see a billboard that says you can get out of your marriage for $500. So it may seem like a cheap investment. Like if it doesn't work out, it's only 500 bucks. It ain't going to work out well. Listen, God intended for you to come together as one and to stick it out. To stay together. And I want to go ahead and just encourage you. If you feel like you may want to marry somebody, but you got a lot of questions in your mind, get your tail out while you can. Chris Curley, Elder Chris Curley, I was dating a gal before I knew Regina, and praise God I got Regina, amen? Don't y'all love Regina? (laughs) And I remember Chris one time told me, Chris, you may remember this, we were working out at the gym that is now a Chinese restaurant, that's how long ago it was, okay? 
And I was talking to Chris about this gal who I, I thought I was in love with, and I was talking about looking for a ring, and he said, does anything about her bother you? And I was like, oh, yeah, there's a few things. He said, amplify that times 100. That's marriage. <laughs> Fear came across my face. Seriously, if you've got a lot of questions, don't ever assume, well, if we just get married, it'll all work out. That's just not the way marriage is. Because this is a covenant thing that, that goes on and on for years and years and years. Amen? But the idea that they shall become one flesh in Genesis that we just looked at there, it includes coming together intimately, of course, but it goes far beyond that as well. Two married people shouldn't uh, just do that one thing together, just come together intimately, although that's a great thing. But they should do other things together as well. The Hebrew thought for the word flesh actually represents the entire human. And so it's saying that marriage is actually a unity of soul as well as body. Now that includes a unity of sympathy, of interest, and purpose as well. Okay, so you get married, and it's not just about raising kids together, but it's literally about other things, purpose, together. Sympathy, interest, together. Amen? Now, let's shift gears just for a minute. In Matthew 19, starting in verse 3, uh, there's a very interesting conversation between Jesus and some Pharisees. And the Pharisees are trying to kind of trip Jesus up as usual. It says, the Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? For just any reason. Now, just as a heads up, the word just was not there in the original text, and it was added but they were asking Jesus, can a man basically divorce his wife for whatever he wants? For whatever he wants. And what they were doing, just so you know, back in Deuteronomy 24.1, you can look this up on your own if you want, but there's actually a line that says, if she, talking about a wife, finds no favor in his eyes, then there can be a letter of divorce. And what they had done is they had taken that a little too literal, and there were people who were divorcing over the stupidest things. Your wife burns your breakfast, get rid of her. I mean, that's literally some stuff that was taking place. You can actually do some research on it. And men were finding the dumbest reasons to divorce their wives. And it was just over silly things. And so verse 4 says, And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning, made them male and female, and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they're no longer two, but they're one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Let no man separate. Jesus actually goes back and says, have you not read, did you see that in verse four? Have you not read the word of God that God made them, put them together as one, and they should remain together as one, and nobody should separate them. He was just confirming what was written in Genesis. I want you to hear me today. God loves divorcees. Come on. God loves you. If you've been through a divorce, God loves you. But the act of divorce, he, he, he does not like divorce whatsoever. Amen? He doesn't. And why? It's because it's destroying what he made in his image, according to Genesis 1.27. It says in Genesis 1.27, so God made man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. 
In the image of God, male and female, he created them. So God's not pleased whenever a married couple says that they don't want to be together anymore because they were made in his image, right? And so back to Matthew 19, 6, it says, what God's joined together, let no man separate. Can somebody say no man? Let no man what? Separate. What God's joined together, let no man separate. You know, sometimes you'll hear couples say that they have irreconcilable differences. That's the word, right? You know, God doesn't have any irreconcilable differences. Every difference has actually been reconciled in Jesus. It's been reconciled in Jesus. So, so back to Matthew 19, verse 7, it says, They said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Are we getting this? He was saying God never intended for divorce to be a thing. You see that? From the beginning, it was not so. That was never God's intention. But Moses let it happen. And let me tell you why Moses let it happen. And he's speaking to these Pharisees. It was because of the hardness of your hearts. So the second thing today is the hardness of hearts destroys marriages. Hardness of heart destroys marriages. The Bible gives a reason for every divorce here in these two verses. For every divorce. It's because of hardness of heart. In every divorce, there's at least one hard heart. Right? At least one. If there were two people, though, with soft hearts, willing to let God change them, would there be a divorce? I'm going to ask that again. If people had soft hearts and they were saying, God, change me, do whatever to us you want to do to us, would there be divorces? No. There wouldn't. There wouldn't. Also, something else that causes divorce is independence. Independence. If the focus is just on you, singular, you can't be one. If your idea is, I'm going to get into a marriage and I'm going to make them conform to make me happy. You have missed it, man. That whole independent thing, it doesn't work in marriage. Not one bit. That's just being one yourself and not being that whole come together as one thing, right? I once had a lady tell me, she said, um, my mama taught me that I should never be dependent on a man. And I was just thinking, oh, this is going to be good. Because, man, she was on one that day. And her mom had, had gone through a rough marriage, just for the record. So I'm not downplaying that by any means. But she had talked about her mom had taught her, you'd be able to make your own money. You'd be able to do this, this, and this. You'd be able to take care of things at the house so you don't have to be dependent on anybody. It never helped her marriage once she got married, though, because she remained independent. And the thing is, is we've got to come together as one. Amen? We've got to come together as one. Now, the phrase, the two shall become one flesh, it's actually in the Bible five different times. Uh, you'll find it in Genesis 2.24. You'll find it in Ephesians 5.31, Matthew 9, uh, 19.5, and then in Mark 
chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. But you also see it in 1 Corinthians 6.16 as well. Now, of those five times, four times, it's talking about marriage. But in 1 Corinthians 6, it says this, starting in verse 15, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. Now, here it's talking about adultery, that whenever a man joins himself to a woman, that they become one flesh. Let me pause right here just for a second and say, if you are ever intimate with someone else, don't ever think that it won't mean anything. It means something. There's actually a thing out there called soul ties. And whenever you give yourself to someone else, both of you leave with a little bit of the other one. And that will just hang on to you forever. And honestly, some of you maybe have dealt with that before, and maybe it was just from you fooling around before you ever got married, whatever. But in all honesty, you need to have that broken off your life. Because if that person occupies any little bit of your mind and you're married to somebody else, then your spouse is not getting 100% of you. Does that make sense? Or maybe you were divorced and then you went into a new marriage and so that was even your ex. You honestly need to be prayed for. Seriously, because how many of y'all, y'all want to be able to give everything you got to your spouse? Anybody want to be that way? You, you don't want to have any past relationships in your mind up here, right? But whenever you come together, it always is going to mean something. And so it was talking about that in 1 Corinthians 6. Verse 16, it says, The two coming together is referring to two people, of course, coming together physically. But does just coming together physically, we talked about this earlier, just being intimate, does that guarantee a great relationship and a great marriage? It doesn't guarantee a great marriage, just coming together physically. But in verse 17, something is shown here that can bring us a great marriage. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. When we come to Christ, we die to self, right? Whenever we come to Christ, we're to die to self and we're to become one with the Lord. Stick with me just for a minute. His purposes are to become first in our life, right? Whenever we come to know the Lord, whenever all of a sudden, I don't know about you, whenever I got saved, it changed everything for me. Um, And as I really grew up and got to know the Lord and and just grew in my faith and everything, I started to realize that that I want to please him. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And, And I started to see what's really important. Men, God wants us to represent Jesus to the world, right? And that we'll never leave or forsake our wives, that we'll love them no matter what, just like Jesus tells us and just like Jesus has done for us. Ladies, he wants y'all to, to, to say that you'll respect your husbands, that you'll love him just like the word says, that you'll never forsake your husband like the church is supposed to do to Jesus as well. And thinking about verse 17 here, what if you and your spouse became one in spirit with him? What if you and your spouse became one in spirit with him, one in purpose, one in heart, 
want to envision going in the same direction, how would that change your marriage? It would be for the good, right? What if we decided that we were going together where God wanted us to go because we were one in him? We were one in him. How would that affect our marriage? So how does a person become one spirit with their mate? How do we become one spirit with our mate? And it's the same way that you became one with the Lord. Our third thing is this, is that a successful marriage happens when each party dies to self. When each party dies to self. Listen to me. You got to die. That may sound unusual, but you have got to die. Whenever you got saved, you were saying to God that you were living your life to serve and to please him. That's what you were telling God whenever you got saved. And by the way, Jesus actually did that for us before we did it for him. He did it 2,000 years ago, right? He gave his life for us. He died and I died, and so he and I are now one. But in every married couple, if you would just say, no longer do I live to serve and please me. Come on now. If we say this individually, no longer do I live to serve and please me, but I live my life to serve and to please you, my spouse. Wouldn't that be a game changer? Wouldn't that be a game changer? And the truth is, is I don't think enough of us have, have died. Because, you see, dead people want to serve and please their mate. They do. They want to serve and please their mate. They, they understand and want to be one with their spouse. I want to be one with this young lady right down here. And, and truthfully, this shouldn't be a big ask. Because right now, some husbands or some wives may be saying, Gene, that's heavy duty. Is it? How many of y'all like, had a marriage ceremony and repeated some stuff? Well, you know, it shouldn't be a big ask considering in your wedding you said that whole thing like for better or for worse. For richer, for poorer. I mean, you said this stuff, you had to mean it, right? You didn't just say it because me or some other preacher told you to say it, did you? You wouldn't have done that. In sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part? Sounded like you were in it for the long haul, right? So then dying to self shouldn't be that big of an ask. That should be our desire if we really meant what we said in our wedding. That should absolutely be our desire. And whenever Regina and I, I think, finally got to this place a little while back, it was a game changer in our marriage. You know what I want to do? I want to make her as happy as I can. I don't know about y'all. I want to make that young lady right there as happy as I can. Amen. Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Unless they're in unity, unless they're one, can two walk together? Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. Now, I want us to think about this scripture just for a second. The Lord is three, but the Lord is one, right? 
And we were created in his image to be one with our spouse. And you know, the, the world really doesn't go for this. Again, because independence is a huge thing in our country. Have you all noticed that? They're going to tell you stuff like, don't give up your identity. They're going to tell you stuff like, don't give up your last name. Don't give up your plans. Don't give up your career. But y'all, whenever you die to self, it's all going to work out because it's what God tells us to do. And the truth is, is that God wants you to give up your agenda. He wants you to give up your agenda. But we've got to die to being in control. We've got to die to manipulating and to being right all the time. And the truth is, is that we gain our purpose whenever we give up our agenda. We gain our purpose whenever we give up our agenda. Now, something I want you to think about, I was a, a best man in a wedding years ago, probably 20 years ago. And, you know, I was told, like, okay, you need to say something at the reception. I was pretty nervous because back 20 years ago, I really wasn't standing in front of crowds talking very often, so I got really nervous. And the Lord just dropped into me about how the Word says that one can put a 1,000 to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight, right? And it was just like, ooh, the Holy Spirit bailed me out. Thank you, Lord. And this couple actually were in ministry, and I remember just talking to them and just saying, you know, the Lord just showed me that, that y'all will just be 10 times more affected in what you're doing because you're coming together as one today. And I remember that the prayer was actually, God, we celebrate what's going to take place because of this couple coming together as one today. But here's the thing. Whenever you come together as one, and you're one in spirit with your spouse and one in spirit with him, God's going to bless it. And you're going to be able to do great things for the kingdom. And you may say, but Gene, I want to do this and I want to do this. Y'all, can I go ahead and just tell you what he's going to do in your life will far surpass whatever thoughts and whatever plans you had for your life. Amen? Whatever, it will greatly surpass that. And if both parties are dead, y'all, you can have a successful marriage. It may sound silly, but if both parties are dead, you can have a successful marriage. When one wants their own way, there's problems. There's problems. But whenever we finally die and he lives his life through us, it's wonderful. Amen? I think if we could all get to that place of just saying, you know what, whatever my agenda is, I just put it down and, and I'm all in and we just die to self, I think our marriages would 100% be changed. And something I want you to think about is that dead people don't try to control. Dead people don't try to manipulate. Dead people are not insecure. Come on now. They're not insecure. And in all honesty, normally whenever I speak on marriage, I'm sometimes really hard on men. And we all know that men have to be the spiritual leaders of their home according to the Word of God, right? We all determine that we, we, we believe 100% what the Word of God says, right? And so the Word says that men need to step up and they need to be the priests of their home, they need to lead their home. 
there's got to be a lead, and sure enough, it's supposed to be the men, even though culture may not agree with a man leading a home. But sometimes I'm kind of hard on men because maybe men haven't stepped up. But you know, the marriage is two people. It's two humans that come together. And it's two people, and the dominant one must die for a marriage to be healed. Listen to me. The dominant one must die. If there's a dominant one in the equation between the two, there's going to be problems. There's going to be problems. Both of them need to die, both the dominant and even the one who might be a little more passive and just lets it happen. Um, If the dominant one doesn't, the marriage is going to have a problem healing. The dominant one has to die. Have you all noticed that, that sometimes the passive one just gets to a place of they're just tired of being dominated? They're just tired of it, so they try to do things with passivity it's just basically being passive aggressive. Y'all, that's no way to have a marriage. Come on, it's no way to have a marriage. And the truth is, is so between a man and a woman, half the time the dominant one is the female. It's the female. And so whether you're the male, whether you're the female, whatever, it's time to let that go. It's time to put that down, and it's time to die to be all in with your spouse. Amen. And remember, manipulation, just as a heads up, is witchcraft, folks. We've got to remember that according to the Word of God. You'll never have the marriage you want, even if you're the dominant one. You may think to yourself, well, I've just got to take lead on this, maybe because he's not taking lead. You'll never have the marriage you want if you're the dominant one. But whenever both just die to self, whenever the man starts to lead the house spiritually, let me tell you, God's going to bless your marriage. Amen? He's going to bless your marriage. Come on, stand with me today. Just a thought for you today. Uh, The word dominant actually comes from the word dominion. And the dominant one in the marriage is the one who rules. Uh, Y'all, in marriage, Jesus is the one who rules. Amen? He needs to be the one who has dominion today. Um, If you want to be successful in your walk with him, if you want to be successful in your marriage, it's time that we die and let him be in control. Amen? It's time that we die and just let him be in full control. If your spouse is with you, just grab their hand today. And everyone, if you would, just close your, close your eyes, bow your head. And I just want to just speak blessings over you. Father, we know your desire. God, is that we come together as one as we read today. Lord, I know that every relationship in here is different. Father, different personalities. Father, different paths. And Lord, right now, I just speak that, Father, everyone in here today, Father, every person in here that's married, Father, that they're just going to truly die to self. Lord, they're going to be, Lord, at a place of just looking out for the interests of their spouse. And Lord, we just pray that they're going to come together in unity, Father, as one. Lord, with you right in the middle of their marriage, Father, one in spirit, as we read earlier. Now, God, today, if there's been, Lord, maybe even years of dominance, Lord, by one party or the other, Father, right now, we just break that in the name of Jesus. 
I want some of you to get real with yourself just for a moment. If you know that that's been you, come on, have just a moment with the Lord. Just, just ask the Lord for his forgiveness. If that's been you, come on, just ask him, Father, forgive me. Lord, for always wanting my way. Father, for trying to be the dominant one. Maybe if you've been passive-aggressive, maybe you're kind of on the other end. Just ask the Lord for, for his forgiveness today for that as well. Lord, for marriages that are, Father, at a place of kind of being, or that are just kind of pulled and stressed right now, God, I just speak healing in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, that both parties <laughs> just had a visual that they just put down, they just put down their armor. No more fighting. No more trying to get the last word in. No more trying to prove who's right and who's wrong. But God, that we just get honest with each other, knowing that we're together as one. And Lord, we let you just heal our marriages today. Now, if you're holding your spouse's hand, once again, I want you to look at him right now just for a moment. And I want you to say, we're in covenant. Come on now, let me hear you. We're in covenant. Me and you, we're in covenant. We're not going to let any man separate us, amen? We're in covenant. No matter what it takes, we're going to fight for this marriage. No matter what it takes. Father, right now, I just speak that, Lord, over everyone here, Father. Lord, I speak strong marriages here at Church Live. God, marriages, Father, where both parties are willing to fight. Father, they're willing to fight. Lord, too many times people just say, forget it, and they just bail out. God, there's too much. Lord, children, everything else, God, we can't just bail out. God, we got to fight for them in Jesus' name. But Lord, that the couple come together. Lord, what I just spoke earlier, Father, that, that Father, as they come together, Lord, they're more effective for the kingdom of God. And Lord, that they get on the same page, God, with their purpose and Lord, what you want to do in their lives. And God, truly, we celebrate what will be done for the kingdom, God, because the two come together, together in you, Father. And Lord, you're going to do great things through them. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you all the praise and glory. And if you agree, can you say amen? Thank you again for listening to Church Alive's Teaching of the Week with Pastor Gene Amoson. We invite you to join us for our Sunday morning worship service every Sunday at 10 o'clock or learn more at churchalive.net.